You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You've heard us talk about DraftKings the leader in daily fantasy sports and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front row seat to all the action. Making a lineup for DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Just draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Each player has a salary associated with drafting them. Assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap, and then sit back and watch your points pile up. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using promo code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 20, as the Rangers fall to the Boston Bruins twice in a row on Wednesday and Friday and have ruined my entire weekend. But first, I got to ask Andy, how are you doing? I'm annoyed, not because of the result of the Ranger game last night. I actually don't feel too bad about that. We'll get into that. But if you listen to our last podcast, uh, I sounded like I was using a crappy laptop mic and even though I have this mic that I always use but for whatever reason when we were recording it wasn't configured so yeah as the person that uh, edits and puts these together that kind of annoyed me because I did the whole thing with it and I'm more I'm mostly annoyed myself because you should always check I just you know it's never really been an issue my mic was plugged in so I could have swore it was configured but it might have gotten jostled at some point where it just defaulted to the laptop mic but you know, listen it was a serviceable audio but you know i just high expectations uh for myself and i'm mad at myself but other than that yeah i'm doing good finished my morning coffee uh, uh tough you know not to come away with more than a point versus the bruins in these last two games but uh, I don't know. You could argue they held probably a, one of the Stanley Cup front runners to yeah, just two one goal games. So, uh, you know, and that's you know missing the Rangers in their last for a period a game and a half missing their best player. So, um, but yeah, we'll get into it. I'm sure. Yeah, you know, to go back to the first game against the Boston Bruins and Andy, I'm sure everyone forgives you for the Mike debacle uh, of last podcast. <laughs> um, but you know what? Sometimes people need to hear, you know, the staticky little audio play from from us because the shows that we're salt of the earth people. We're not, you know, bougie guys sitting in a uh, in a, a studio, you know, at, with, you know, all this Joe Rogan equipment, you know, coming down from the ceiling and stuff like that. And we're not. We're just a couple guys with a couple mics talking New York Rangers hockey. So salt of the earth people from um, going back to the first Boston Bruins game. I thought that game was. Um, 
you know, I thought that game was exactly how we needed to play to compete with the Boston Bruins. I thought we had traffic in front of the net. I thought we, um, you know, played as a, you know, a five team, a five person unit played as a team. It was exactly how you needed to play. I thought the time on ice, you know, really reflected, um, you know, the, the effort and the, um, I don't even know how to say like the effort of that game. Like it really reflected like the better players got to play. And that was, that was great. Um, you know, he obviously Quinn doesn't really trust Julian Gauthier. He's a, a big kid that can, you know, get pucks to the net and he scored his first goal, um, of his NHL career against Boston, which was, you know, a, a perfect goal for him to, to get, hopefully get going. And then Quinn doesn't really play him much after that. Um, a couple collapses, um, to maybe the best team in the NHL, which is to be expected, especially for us. And then you get a, a gutsy goal by Kevin Rooney, uh, assisted by Lemieux. And it just shows you that, like, you know, it's not, it doesn't take all the skill in the world to compete against these teams. It just takes effort. It takes getting into the dirty areas and doing the things that, you know, a lot of players don't want to do. And it's, you got to muck it up, play dirty, gritty hockey. And I thought the Rangers were able to, do that for the first two periods of that first game. I felt like they let off the gas a little bit in the third, but they found a gutsy way to tie it up, and uh, unfortunately, they lost in overtime. But what do you think of that first game overall? Honestly, yeah, my feelings on both games were pretty similar. I thought, the, like you said, that first game, uh, they definitely were hanging with one of the best teams in the league, and they've been playing up to their competition, which you like to see. And, yeah, and listen, they with at that point you know ha not having uh Panarin for the second half of that game you know sporadically and just moving people up and down the lineup and just where Boston is just being a, a depth heavy team and just a big heavy team in general yeah I was really pleased with the effort we put obviously it was one of those cases where and I feel like in both games the Rangers come out are the better team in the first period really press the Bruins press back in the second period, and it's like the Rangers, uh, yeah, they're on their heels a bit. And then in the third, it's just kind of a, an equal footing. And that was kind of like that for both games. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, the first I was happy with their performance in the first game. You know, the only place I'm not really happy with them is the power play, but they're still trying to figure that out, obviously. But, um, yeah, I, I, like I said, with these games, it's kind of... I, obviously every point is important and you kind of feel the season slipping out of their hands. So it, it, it sucks and it hurts, but I mean, these are the games you kind of expect to, to not get blown out in these games is pretty, is actually pretty good considering the caliber. And you obviously have to hope that the next time the Rangers play a team that's not as good as the Bruins, that they don't, uh, they don't try to play down to their opponents. Then they just, if they can keep doing what they're doing or keep that intensity level, they should blow out you know, a team that is loot plays a looser because we've really tightened up our structure and that's obviously very heartening for me to see. Yeah. I, you know, you make a, you make a really good point and I was actually discussing this point last night is, um, and it was brought, brought to me and it was saying that, you know, it was a devil's fan and the devil's fans like the Rangers really should just smoke the devils come Tuesday. Cause that's the Rangers next game. Uh, the game on Sunday against the Philadelphia flyers has been postponed for those of you who don't know. Um, so our next game will be on Tuesday against the New Jersey devils, which will be their first game back in like, um, I feel like two and a half weeks at least where they haven't played an actual hockey game. So, you know, I, I would expect the Rangers, if they put forth the effort that they've had these last two games, they should, you know, blow the devils out of the water. And I'm not going to say, you know, you know, woe is me. And this is, you know, the end of our season, because I, I don't truly think it is. I said I had this mantra in my head that you can lose to the Boston Bruins. It's fine. But when you lose to them, you have to beat the Buffaloes. You have to beat the Devils. You have to beat the Islanders. You have to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Washingtons, you know, you got to beat those teams and get points from them. Now we had a, a rough start, but if we can right the ship, if the season's not done because, you know, Boston's going to beat everybody. You know, they're, they're going to be at the top of the standings. You know, Flyers are going to beat everybody. They're going to be at the top of the standings. So you're fighting for those last two spots. So if you can beat those teams and, and consistently do it on a regular basis, you're going to find yourself fighting for a playoff spot at the end of the season, which I think benefits the Rangers because they are a younger team. They are a team that can bring that energy, you know, 
for the full 56 game span. I worry about teams like Washington and Pittsburgh who rely really on their older veterans. And, you know, in a funky year where they didn't have a training camp and they might have came in, you know, half ass in shape, maybe we can sneak into the playoffs. So that's what I'm hoping for. But, you know, it, it we're we're not trending in a very good direction right now. And and looking at last night's game, you got shut out now twice in the last three games. We clearly have an offensive problem when we commit to defense. And, you know, I, I'm sick of I'm sick and tired of the narrative that, you know, we lost, but we did a lot of good things out there. You know, when does that end, Andy? Because it's driving me insane. I mean, I really do. The more this season goes on, I th- really do think the worst thing that happened last year was <laughs> Panarin playing out of his mind. Clearly should have won the Calder. Uh, excuse me, the Calder. Won, won the Hart Trophy, you know, and Mika at his crazy pace. Because I think if that doesn't happen with the fact that our bottom six was non-existent last season i think again this team would have been you know in the in the basement and probably would have ended up with the lafreniere anyway um but yeah it's just i really it's tough because i really you have a it's see it's seemingly on paper it seems like we have some high-end pieces that we think should be able to carry us to you know or at least out of the spot we find ourselves in right now but if I don't know, if you really think about it, it's like, you know, is Buchnevich and Kreider as you're supposed to, are if they're, you know, besides Panarin, if they're supposed to be your, your next two best wingers, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like I think it's time for Rangers fans to kind of come to grips with the re- the reality that this team overperformed a lot last season and just think about it sucks because they can't score. But at the same time, it's like I watched, we kind of watched them for the last, what, decade, just give up 40 shots against a night and steal victories they probably didn't deserve because they had good goaltending and it just ultimately got us nowhere. And that's kind of what, I mean, even look at the Penguins this year. I mean, they're getting every, they can't win regulation, but they're stealing wins and shootouts and overtimes and they just get there and they have the, I think their goaltending tandem is one of the, yeah, their, their save percentage against is terrible, but they're putting up goals. And I mean, all that's going to lead for them is they're going to get to if they even get if they sneak into the postseason, they're yeah they're going to get a, a wake up call very quickly and I don't think they even own their own first round pick so luckily it doesn't hurt them so much as the you know Minnesota or whoever they gave that uh, that pick to but yeah it's just one of those things that it's like I even it's it as much as it sucks and I want I'm no I want I'm tired of the moral victories as well but at the same time it's like I'm at least happy that it's like they're learning to do something different than what they've done for the past decade, because that was just wasn't working. And even last year where they were like playing this loose, we're scoring hockey. Like, yeah, if it's going to, it's going to take them some time, unfortunately, but uh, I don't know, man. It's like, I'm at least, I, I, I see the groundwork. So I'm happy with that, but obviously it would be nice if they could, you know, convert and everyone wasn't you know, ice fucking cold on offense, but yeah, I don't know. Well, it's funny because it, the, the script is completely flipped this year. And you see yeah. our bottom six is contributing. Our bottom six is driving offense. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of wild that, you know, when you look at the fl- uh, a shift where there's, you know, a bunch of shots on a flurry of shots on on, you know, on net and, you know, uh, they're cycling going on and, and they're stretching, um, you know, stretching the puck back to the defense and they're going D to D with the shot on goal and it's getting deflected. You're like, who's out there? And it's like Rooney, Di Giuseppe, and, you know, <laughs> and Lemieux. And you're like, you know, what, where is this coming from? Like, why isn't this every shift then from, you know, our guys that who are supposed to be the, you know, the, on the top of the standings in terms of points for this team. And it's you know, the Criders, the Mikas, the, the Stroms. And, and I feel like they're not the ones driving any offense. And, and I'm watching Kako and Lafreniere, and they're not the problem either. They're, I feel like that was one of the better games that they played. Uh, and, you know, I know they got some time together too, which was awesome. But again, you know, t- talk about those younger guys because they played a hell of a game against a very good Boston Bruins team. Yeah, I feel like I keep saying this, but every game has been Kako's best game so far. Um, just Kako's play off the puck, his engagement, that back check he makes coming out of the box to save a grade A chance and then to go the other way. And yeah, the, he's turned into a real monster. And you can definitely, you're finally seeing what uh, the Kako that we watched in those, you know, those highlight videos when the Rangers first uh, landed the second overall. 
It's just his small area game is so impressive. And now he's finally, you can see he's just playing. He's not like scanning and reacting. And even Lafreniere looks faster. He looks better, you know, and I, I think he has looked better than Kako looked last season. Absolutely. Although, you know, although he hasn't had as much to show for it as Kako did, but I just like, I think it's a, s- a symptom of the whole team. If I don't see Kreider, Butch or Mika doing anything. So at least Lafreniere is getting chances, but this whole team can't score. So it's not like it's just him. It's everyone. It's just, I, it's just one of those things where, and I think I spoke about it on our last podcast is like this team is trying to be better and more structured, but they still haven't. So they have that seem to have that down pretty well now, but they just can't figure out how to create more dangerous chances without this weird free flowing off the rush, whatever. I think they will be, the better for because if you look at Boston, the way they play, they can beat any single team in, in the NHL if they want on any given night. They just they are they don't abandon their structure ever. They're always heavy on the puck. They still can they're at least their top six can still create uh at any time. But even when they create their other, you know, if one guy goes a little rogue, his uh his line mate, one of his line mates will react and kind of improvise with them, but the rest of them stay structured and they're talented enough where they can maybe spread themselves a little thin, but still recover if they need to. And you could beat any team in the league playing with like that. So to see the Rangers trying to at least play, go, you know, tit for tat with them was good because that's, I think the, at least the way the, on paper, the way the Rangers are playing right now, if they, with, if if uh, you know our players continue to pro- progress and mature, and you get Heal back, and you know in a year or two years from now, you could see that a team that has a Heal, uh, a Kako two years from now, a Lafreniere two years from now, uh, you hope you know Kreider, Zabanajad, and Buchnevich are at least you know well Buchnevich should definitely be, but you hope that Kreider and Zabanajad are at least somewhere in the same stratosphere of the players they are right now, you know, uh, cold streak withstanding. And then you can see, oh, this team's going to be absolutely dangerous because they are not going to get pushed around as much because they'll be physically more mature. They'll be heavier team. Uh, and yeah, and that's with Keandre having another two years. Like the fact that this team is this young, but is playing hockey, this disciplined is, yeah, it's a great sign. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of teams like, you know, I mean, you look at the Canucks, you look at Ottawa, those teams are an absolute mess and they on the ice and the Rangers, you know, without Panarin, you know, you can argue when that first line is not on the ice, their personnel is not any older or less experienced. But, you know, the fact that uh, your bottom six can, you have guys like Blackwell and De Giuseppe and hell, even Lemieux that are like trying to attend to their duties on ice. You look at some of the other teams around the league that are clearly destined to just be bottom feeders again. So it's a, it's a good sign. It just sucks we're not getting the results that we want. but. Yeah, I've, I've really had to obviously try to come to grips with the fact that I've liked how the, the Rangers have played. I'm just mad, A, they can't buy a goal right now. You know, they keep getting shut out here and there. But it, yeah, it sucks to lose games one nothing. It really does. But at the same time, it's like we last, there was times last season where we would lose multiple games, what, like 5-3 or, you know, 4-2. Uh, so yeah, I can't, I don't know. It's just... It's I think I just feel like it's going to take time and it just sucks because there's not a lot of patience for that right now. No. And it's like, I don't know, it's a shortened season. The Rangers, I think, had high expectations. I think their younger guys are delivering more than what I expected from them. I know a lot of people are like, well, Lafreniere was taken first overall. Is he going to come in and dominate like an Austin Matthews? I know that's not reality. You know that's not reality. So when you watch him play and the play that he he has now 13 games into the season, I'm kind of happy with how he's developed. I, I do see him getting better every game. I do see him getting comfortable with the puck. Um, he's trying things and passes with the puck that I don't think he would have tried game one or two. Um and you just see he's a little bit more comfortable. He's, you know, maturing before our eyes. And then then you have Kako, who, you know, I think last year, you know, the hype of having a pick that low and him coming in and him not really doing much along with Hughes, you know, it was kind of just like, you know, all right, let's take a step back here. Maybe these kids, you know, if they're taking one, two and three, aren't going to fully dominate. But now you watch him 
and you're like, he's going to be a really good winger for this team. And his play along the boards has improved dramatically. Last year, he was just getting pushed off the puck every time. Uh, he couldn't stand his ground. If he was hit, he went like two or three feet the opposite direction. So this year, he's almost like embracing for the hit, uh, actually throwing his body before he can get hit. He's protecting the puck along the boards. Um, he can escape. You know, uh, he always finds seems to find an escape route. He's making his passes off the boards. Um, you know, it's just like, exciting to see. And and I guess like that's what we have to hang our hat on this season is that, you know, our, our younger guys are not the problem. Um, you know, they're not busts. They're just need time to develop. But it is frustrating watching teams like the Devils and Buffalo, where I do feel like we have a better team on paper. I do feel like we should consistently beat those teams. And, you know, even Pittsburgh, too. It's like we shouldn't be blowing leads to the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're not. This isn't 2009 and 2010 you know, or whatever when they won their Stanley Cups. Like, we can beat these guys. Like, I don't care about our experience. I don't care about who's on our roster and Phil DiGiuseppe's our bet, one of our best players. We could still beat those guys. There's no excuses for those games. Yeah. You know, and hopefully the games that we played against the Boston Bruins can carry forward. Like I, I mentioned before, Andy, like we got to build off these games. Like, all right, you lost to the Boston Bruins twice in a row. All right. Build off of that. We should be able to blow the doors off the New Jersey Devils on Tuesday. We should be so hungry to get out there and get two points that it's, you know, it's three nothing at the end of the first. Yeah, especially considering that's a team that's coming off half of them being in like COVID. So they should be rusty. I don't care if they'll be rested. They'll be rusty as hell. But I honestly, I have a feeling what's going to happen, <laughs> uh, not to forecast, is that you're going to have the Rangers come out heavy and pressure and pressure, and they're not going to get anything for it. And then, uh, you know, the Devils are going to score the first goal off of some fluke bounce or something. And then the Rangers are just going to kind of like you could see them mentally start second guessing themselves and like get frustrated and grip and it's going to snowball from there. That's what well, that's what would happen in the past. You have to hope they can break the cycle in that type of things, because, yeah, I think a lot of it is mental. You know, it's like in their head, they're still, you know, the young guys are where they're at, whereas I, I watched, like I said before, I've watched a lot of Rangers teams in the past couple of years just because they were vets who had been around the league Play, like even though they're getting their their doors blown off, they'd score timely goals and then they would win because they had a good goaltending from Hank and B they just had that confidence like it'll work out, it's fine. Like you know what I mean? They had that false confidence almost. And uh, I feel like the Rangers are the opposite of that. They should have that you know they have a lot of talent on paper and they can make things happen. But it's almost like you said, it's kind of this weird reverse of that where it's like it's just they're putting the puck on that, but they don't really. You can see that too many passes and just not taking shots just because they're like they're so, they almost feel like no matter what they do it's going to get stopped and they're kind of almost willing it into existence right just sometimes it's like it's just good to put a, a, a puck low on net it doesn't matter like well it doesn't matter if you read the goalie and you're like i don't see you know if it's especially if it's not like if it's a two-on-one like i understand you're like i how what's the best chance to get this in but if you're coming into the zone with speed and you're like you know, if you have a, if you have an 80, like, let's say you have an 80% chance of getting a nice low shot on goal, which might squeak out. So it'll definitely get saved, but at the same time, you know, it definitely gets saved, but at the same time, it should squirt out into the slot and it could get collected. Or you have a, you know, 50% chance of like feathering a pass through the slot. And if it finds someone, it can turn to a grade A chance. The Rangers always go for that 50% chance and half the time gets picked off. Or it just doesn't come to just put it on net. I don't care if you need a goal and you're like, this is not going to be a goal. Just be more. They just need to be more direct. The problem is the only players I feel like that are really playing direct right now is that bottom six. And they don't have the skill to really capitalize. Whereas like, I feel like if they, if those top lines just got a little bit more meat and potatoes, it would open things up for them, but they still want to cycle and try to find trailers and, and all this other stuff. Whereas just, just, get low shots on net like come on man like just simplify if you're if all Buchnevich, Kreider and Zmanjit are ice cold right now it just doesn't always have to be let's play you know what they've been doing has been working just try to simplify a bit and they haven't done that I haven't seen it 
Well, you're exactly right. And, you know, perfect example of, of last night's game, you know, Kako and Lafreniere were coming down on a two-on-one. I was almost having a heart attack. You know, I like got up on the edge of my seat. I was like, oh, my God, here we go. Please, please. One of them's getting something. <laughs> and it turns into a nothing because, you know, listen, you don't always have to feed a guy on the two-on-one, okay? The, the guy that's – you're coming down on a two-on-one. The guy without the puck should give himself – you know, two options. You want to be number one in a passing lane, but number two, you also want to set yourself up for a rebound. So you don't want to come come in hot and crash in the net and your feet are on the crease when the shot's getting, you know, taken. Kako waited a little too long because he didn't really have a great angle to pass the puck over, which is what he wanted to do. You could see when they showed the replay of the, the camera facing his face, he was looking at Lafreniere wanting to pass. But then, you know, the play happened so quickly. Now he's on top of the goal. And he has a bad shooting angle, and he tries to cut to the front of the net, and it, you know, it kind of, you know, the it's a scramble and it gets deflected out. What you got to do on, the, on those situations, and uh, you know, Quinn needs to tell them is that if you're coming down low, you have to make your decision quick. It's either a pass right away, or you're, it's got to be a shot within you know the next five feet that you're coming in on the two on one, because you got to give Lafreniere enough time to be able to read the shot, see where the rebound's going to kick out to, and maybe he can possibly get to it. Now, Lafreniere came in against the opposite side post. I would have liked them to come in a little bit further out and kind of play off of a rebound if, you know, if the defenseman played, made a really good play. You know, he took away the entire pass, which is why, you know, Akako ended up where he was. So he played the play perfect. But, you know, those are the things that, you know, the Boston Bruins do so well. They stretch, they ice, they... They put themselves in shooting positions and, and positions to get rebounds and they know how to play, you know, that finesse game, but they also know how to play, like you said, the meat and potatoes where they keep it simple. And if things aren't working out for them, they, they'll find ways, you know, through their effort and hard work. And it helps having, you know, players like Marshawn who, you know, feeds off of that, you know, type of game play. So, um, yeah, did you, were, did you catch that two on one? Did you almost have a heart attack like yeah, I did? Yes. Yes, I did. Because a, a lot of emotions, a, those two had been having nice little chemistry together, which it kind of gives you the fl glimpse of the future. You know what I mean? Because it was weird that this is the only time those two had really been on five on five been together. You know what I mean? It's one thing to maybe pitch and catch on the second power play unit, but just to see them creating together. Uh, yeah, it was obviously you got a little tingle, right? And then to see that you're like, oh man, both of these guys have been playing well. They should be rewarded. You know, Lafreniere had so many chances in the first period. When he batted that puck out of the air right in front oh of the my net, God. I was like, first of all, I'm like, it's in the air. I'm like, and I knew because I had seen him do that because he has excellent hand coordination. He scored a few goals like that uh, in junior. So I'm like, is this kid just going to knock this puck out of the air? And he did, and it was awesome. You know, obviously, Halak came up big, but yeah, man, it was just nice. I was just wanted one of them to get rewarded. And I understand why Kako did what he did. You know, he, the only problem is he didn't, I think, and that's another thing he's got to get used to is that, and, and Lafreniere for that matter, is that you just, things that you could get away with at lower levels, like guys are better. Like Carlo is a huge dude and he's got a big wingspan. So uh, Kako's like, I can walk this in and get it around him. And he almost, which you get around Halak and that's what he tried to do. But Carlo, even though he was going one way, he really got as much extension on that poke check and just got a stick on the puck at the last minute and goes over the net. So, you know, I think, and it's just one of those things where you look at a guy like Marshan who just totally understands how to toy with people off the rush or on two on ones or to freeze the goaltender. And that takes experience. That takes time and right. It's just, yeah, it's just being comfortable in those situations where you're a kid, you're just like, all right, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? And getting open, like, you know what I mean? It's, it's just, yeah, it's, and it just, it comes with time, but hell, those two have been good. Leave them together. You know, obviously as long as Panarin's out, those two should be together. Uh, you know, and Strom was just doing his whole Ryan Strom trying to be the control tower thing, which is whatever it is, what it is. We, he's... <laughs> You know, we don't right now we don't have a better second line center than him, um, you know, so it is it's going to be what it's going to be. But, I, you know, I thought he actually did a good job trying to do certain things. You know, his defensive play still leaves a lot to be desired. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just this, at least for the kids between Fox and Miller. And, you know, I think it was another this series for Miller has been a little bit tougher. But at the same time, he's you know, he's had a few whiffs and stuff. But at the same time, like I said, he 
he makes mistakes because he's learning, but he's so naturally talented and skilled that he can, and just fast, he can kind of get back and cover her for his mistakes. And I like that he's pushing it and learning, trying to grow. You know what I mean? Because if he had realized like, oh, I can't do that and just said, I'm not going to do that. Like then, yeah, the learning stops there and he's going to turn himself into something he's not. And that's what I don't want. I don't want him to settle. I'd rather have him puck slip off of his stick because he's trying to do stuff. You know what I mean? Because eventually I think he will be able to do it, you know? Yeah, well, he was second on, you know, in time on ice against with all defensemen. That's including Trouba, too. So, um, you know, Fox obviously yeah. led the way with, uh, uh, t- you know, 27 and a half minutes. And then Ke'Andre Miller was second with 22 and a half minutes. And he yeah. got his power play time and his shorthanded time. You know, he's a juggernaut, man. He's doing it all. And, you know, it's great to see that <laughs> Quinn has this much faith in him. And, and you know, the fact that we're really not talking about him against the Boston Bruins is probably a good thing because I don't know how many rookie defensemen are going to be coming in playing against the Boston Bruins and 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 lighting it up. You know, it's usually it's the it's the opposite where, you know, those are the, the kids that are making the mental mistakes and the mental errors that lead to lead to goals. And you just don't see it. It's not happening. Um, you know, I, I thought our D overall last night played very well. Uh you know, I, I didn't expect anything more from them against the Boston Bruins. Um, I, they did as well as they could. And even like last night, man, just a fluky goal that squeaks through. And, you know, that was very Hank-like, though. Didn't you think that was a, a Hank-like goal that Igor let in? Yeah, I mean, and honestly, I watch in slow motion, you kind of realize what's happening because it goes off the side of the net. Uh and it looks like his momentum is taking him around like he's going to he can collect and almost go for a wrap around the other side. And in that second, you see Igor kind of naturally his body sways to like get ready to push if he has to. But then he just kind of gets, you know, and because you also hope that by then the defend, you know, your defender is going to help you out, at least on that side and tie up a stick. But yeah, he he is able to kind of collect and get a free another free stuff on it. You know what I mean? And yeah, just that little sway of natural body motion. Uh, yeah, it just creates that little pocket and it gets, you know, gets smushed through. So I know it, it was one of those things that it looked like it was soft and it's a technical issue that he and it is. I think T- Igor has to you know realize in that is that you're 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 sealed until, you know, you are sh- absolutely sure there is no danger on that side. But at the same time, it's like I kind of understand why it happened. And it was just, you know, it squirted through and he was. He was, you know, 95% in position. It's just he, like I said, in that moment, I think he thinks it's going around. So he gets his his body ready to push and he kind of like leans his, his hot top half, you know, towards where he's going to send himself. And, and then there's the pocket and it gets smushed through. So it sucks. But, you know, again, I can't if you want to say that these last two games, clearly goaltending wasn't the issue. I think his save percentage is up to 920 something now. He's above he's right around league average and, and rising every game because he's settled in. It's just the Rangers, the goals for the scored for the Rangers in that time have been non-existent, you know, so it sucks, but I'm not, I'm definitely, you know, I'm not going to put anything on him. And and listen, even in the post, he, he said, like, I have to shore that up. He didn't obfuscate blame or anything. He just said, I, you know, it stinks that, it, you know, it sucks that that was ended up being the goal and I have to be better. And yeah, so I'm not, you know, I'm definitely not worried about him. It's just, uh, it just sucks. But at the same time. It doesn't matter. They, you know, I wouldn't have, if the Rangers can't score, he's not, you know. No, absolutely. not going to help him anyway, so. No, but I was just having flashbacks because Hank, you know, he would make 10 incredible saves and then he'd let yeah. in a goal from like behind the goal line that would just squeak through. And it was just like, how, yeah. this is just perfect. This is exactly yeah. New York Rangers hockey. But, you know, exactly. you know, I think last podcast, Andy, I mentioned how the power play couldn't possibly get any worse. I think, oh. I think it actually got worse. I really do. And I, think now they're two for 30 in their last 32 uh power plays so yeah man i don't even know what to do anymore at this point let's just have fun let's put out Kako, lafreniere miller and lemieux in front of the net and maybe rooney and just see where we go from there i, I like honestly it doesn't really matter if we give up shorthanded goals it, honestly at this point at least someone scoring on our power play i'll take it yeah, and you know, it's obviously not having Panarin and his creativity clearly hurts. Um and you can even argue that not having D'Angelo 
as just another yes yet another puck mover who can kind of walk the line hurts too because it creates less motion there's a little bit too you know i i like that he started with the second unit but um yeah it's like that first unit is good at staying in the zone but they don't get enough movement whereas the second one has trouble gaining the zone because they're young and uh yeah just they're not exactly full with speedsters you know they don't have Kreider and Buchnevich, whereas Kako and Lafreniere are just more like heavy, you know, hands guys. But um, yeah, it's it's just one of those things where you, you def, so they definitely should have scored a goal early on with the way that that unit was cooked, the first unit was cooking, and they haven't. And now it's like they're kind of trying to change things up, and it's clear they're not as comfortable and. Yeah, it just, I, you know, it's it sucks because it's one of those things that they clearly needed a change with the same on the same coin. It's just, yeah, it looked a little bit, a little bit too much disarray. And now you have the second unit, which is finally starting to get more equal time. But well, they didn't get any reps early in the year, so now you're expecting them to like have fi- have stuff figured out, or at least have a better idea of how to get have be successful or play to each other's strengths. And this is now they're trying to having to figure it out against the Boston Bruins penalty kill, which is the best in the league. Yeah, it's a t- it's a tall order, you know what I mean? So um yeah, I, I I'm happy obviously happy with the Rangers penalty killing. It's been very good and their defensive play, but their and even I'll say their five on five offense creation has been pretty good and their expected goals have been good. It's just they can't convert and on the power play they just are yeah it's too it's too static like i don't care if you have to just keep feeding the point that might be even better just force a guy to block a shot even if maybe he goes down and then he's out of commission like you know i mean it's a barbaric to say but yeah some of those other teams they don't they don't care they're like yeah make this stop i don't care at least because if you can get a puck through and, you know, Fox has tried to get through with that drifting wrist shot, and that's great. But I think he's trying to he's trying to get it at least low. I just yeah, I, even if it's along the ice, just get it in there, you know, and have guys parked on both sides of the net or at least, you know, collapse the second that it comes off, because then you'll at least be in position. You could tie up a stick, you do whatever, you know. So, uh, yeah, but they need to be a lot more simple, and a lot more direct. Um, and. Yeah, I guess that's part of the the learning process for these young guys too. Because I, I won't even speak about what's going on with Kreider, Mika, and Butch. Because although I I think Mika again wasn't terrible last night, but Butch and Kreider have been pretty piss poor these last couple of games. You know, uh, despite both early on in the season looking, uh, yeah, like they were. You know, Butch looked great to start, and Kreider had a f- few games there where he was you know flying more and was creating, which was good. But yeah, now. All of them are just ice cold, and it's uh, frustrating. Yeah, you know, and you're looking at our power play percentage as it, you know, falls to the, I think we're in the bottom five in the power play. We're fourth worst in the league at 11.7%. And our PK, though, on the other hand, is top five. We moved into the fifth position after killing, you know, all all the Boston power plays last night. Um, We moved to fifth overall at 84.4. So, you know, it's 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 frustrating because, you know, I've mentioned this so many times, man, if we just have a normal power play that that's hovering around the even the 20 percent mark, which isn't crazy in the NHL, you know, you're we're probably looking at a different Rangers season. We're we're probably seeing ourselves in a, in a different position in the standings. And, you know, it's just one aspect of the game that no matter how bad you are of a hockey team and, you know, you look at. You know, you look at teams that struggle on the power play. They're not exactly always the the team at the bottom of the standing. So, you know, it is an aspect of our game that we have the personnel to to score twenty percent of the time. You know, it, it, once that gets going, I mean, who who knows, Andy? Like, I I really I have faith in this team. You know, I know the reality kind of set in. I, I think you put you know all of our listeners in their place by you know basically saying, you know, you know last year could have been just an anomaly uh, that's a tough word to say anomaly man that was tough on the spot <laughs> um you know and not to expect the same greatness that we saw last year because that could have been just a flash in the pan and and you know we're a younger team now we got some you know a lot of kids that have no nhl experience you know i'm prepared for that and stuff like that but you know you're looking at our power play and how close these games are and how a power play goal or 
you know, uh, two power play goals in a, in a, in a six power play night, which is the craziest thing in the world. You know, we win that game two one, you know, and it just, it's, it's frustrating because I feel like we're, we are our own worst enemy. And, you know, I had high hopes going into this season and I feel like it's not, it's not because we're too young. It's not because, you know, we have, we don't have enough experience. It's because things aren't clicking together at the right time. And we're falling one, nothing. We're losing two one. We blow a lead that we were up to one in the third and we lose three, two. And it's just, I don't know. I, I'm sorry that this podcast had turned into, you know, my venting about my frustrations with no. Rangers hockey, but I totally get it. And honestly, I think everyone is, knows what the, how the story ends, at least this season. I think it's some probably in by with the final quarter of the season, they'll probably it'll finally come together. You'll have Heedle back, and I think this team will just start racking up wins. But it just won't be enough because they lo- drop too many early on, you know. Uh, and it'll you know be a moral victory down the stretch in, in New York Rangers fashion. But then we will win the uh, revised, apparently uh, yes, draft lottery, get whatever this. they change it to. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it stinks because you see the, the firmament and the, the, the groundwork they're laying for this team for the future. And finally they are playing with structure. They're finally a not bottom in expected goals. They're not bottom in defense. They're, you know, their individual player metrics are, are all pretty positive for the most part. You know, obviously there are some guys where offense goes to die, cough, cough, Brett Howden. But um, yeah. Oh, and also if you're a Rangers fan, and even if you are not like an advanced stats person, which is fine, follow, follow uh, Rob Luker. Uh, it's that's at R Luker 12. That's L U K E R on Twitter. He's a great follow. He breaks down, uh, he'll post Rangers statistics from, I think it's either he uses evolving hockey or something, but he also explains in a nutshell what that means or, and yeah, it's a great follow, you know, um, just, just to see at least where you can, and he'll even point out, he's like, here's where he went down. So hence, like, here's where our, our expected goals dropped or what something, or it's like, here is when these guys are on the ice and when these guys are on the ice and he'll, but he'll also do a good job tying it to specific things you watched in the game, which is great because that it gives you context. And it's especially if you're someone who just looks at charts and your your eyes glaze over and you're like, what the hell am I looking at? He's very good at explaining it. So yeah, give him a follow. And uh, our Luca 12. Sorry, what were you going to say? No, I do want to address, you know, a question about advanced stats that, you know, we kind of had this discussion yesterday with our good friend Gibby saying <laughs> that, you know, advanced stats really only come out when a player is struggling or a team is struggling, which is, which would yeah you would that would be the situation that you would look at advanced stats because we you don't really need to look into and dive into the play of you know Connor McDavid when he has 30 points in 15 games you know you don't really need to see is he driving scoring opportunities because yes he is getting scoring opportunities there there's no advanced stats needed you know you do want to look at you know what kind of when you're building a team and you are struggling and you find yourself at the bottom of the standings, you do need other metrics besides goals and assists and points and, you know, power play points to build your team because those don't really reflect reality of the play on the ice. And, you know, we don't have, uh, you know, elephant memory where we remember every game of, you know, and how everybody did. So you do kind of, you know, lean on these advanced metrics and and stats to kind of, figure out you know what kind of player these players are on teams that you know don't have the best numbers in terms of uh you know goals scored and goals against yeah and and listen i think it's just one of those things that it's also i know like a lot of people say oh they only come out to like to try to disprove like oh no oh this guy's actually been really good if you look at it's been really good which I, I understand why it seems like that, but I think if you're a if you're someone who's more plugged in and not as doesn't shy away from the, at least trying to seek them out, you can see a lot of the opposite too. I what did I say the other day? I think if if uh, the you know if the Toronto Maple Leafs had an analytic department in uh, 2013, they wouldn't have signed David Clarkson thinking he was going to save their franchise because they would have realized he was like propped up by Patrick Elias and on those Devils teams. You know what I mean? Uh, and there's plenty of other players like that where you can see like, oh, maybe we shouldn't, you know, hell, I'd even say signing Truba thinking he was going to be this super stout shutdown guy when in, if you looked at what his actual on ice results were, he was more of a guy who drove a lot of off. Like when he, he was on the ice, his team shot the puck a lot because he 
is would put a lot of low shots on net. But at the same time, it's like defensively, he wasn't exactly the most stout guy. They would have re- realized that, you know what I mean? So it does go both ways. I think it's just more about being plugged in to that. And I do think with at least with this Rangers team, it's a good, good way to learn. You kind of look at their they're rolling expected goals and you know, the ebb and flows and defensively and are they winning are you know, are they out possessing the puck, but more importantly, are they generating like high danger shots? And that first game versus the Bruins, they generated a lot more, but the Bruins really cleaned it up last night. Uh, and I think that a part of that you can you can then say, well, game effects happen a lot where uh you know, I think after not after losing that first game, I think the Rangers were even more like we can't let them score a goal. And I think they just kind of gripped their sticks even tighter. And I think that's why that happened. And also Boston kind of, you know, because they're a great team, they're like, here's where we kind of got exploited by this Rangers team, which we weren't really too familiar with last night. So how can we shore that up? And that's what good teams do, right? So, yeah, these are the type of things you can glean by at least looking at this. Yes, it's not the whole, it doesn't tell the whole story, but it gives you good context. And if you just use it in concert with what your eyes saw, you know, and what you think, yeah, it can help paint a more accurate picture and help and prevent you from either panicking. Cause I mean, you know, it, you could just, there's some people that even now are like, oh, well, Lafreniere is not as good as Tim Stutzla or Kako is not going to amount to anything. I think any, and any, cause they're not, you know, they just look at the game sheet and they don't see anything or see like whatever shots. But I think any Rangers fan that's watched those two are like, these two are going to be special. It's just, it's going to take time. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's just, it's, you know, it is funny um, how, you know, people are just overreact to that type of stuff. It It is fun uh, though, this season looking at, you know, the schedule and, and playing teams or you're supposed to play teams uh, in a lot of back-to-back situations. And I know Joe mentioned it last night, but you know, last night did feel like a playoff game and it did feel like, you know, there was a bit of a a rivalry and bitterness between the two clubs. And, and, you know, I really do enjoy watching, you know, you know, this hockey, this season playing teams back to back. And, you know, I think there's a point in our season, I'm not sure if it got ruined by COVID yet, but, you know, we were going to play the devils four times in a row. And that's, you know, basically that doesn't happen unless you're playing that team in the playoffs. And, you know, I kind of like the little bad blood between, you know, the Boston, uh, the Boston Bruins and New York Rangers. And and hopefully, you know, there were there were legs that the, you know, with the Flyers being affected by COVID currently and the outdoor game uh, needing to be played on February 23rd, that the Rangers were first in line to be that team that replaces the Philadelphia Flyers. And if the NHL watched last night's game with the fighting, the chippiness and the hard hits and, and, you know, I, I thought it was a, a really good high intensity hockey game. I mean, how do you not push for a New York Rangers, Boston Bruins outdoor game at Lake Tahoe on February 23rd? Yeah, honestly with, you could see that now, especially after last night's game at points was a total gong show with the, the, after the whistle stuff and you know you had the the lemieux frederick fight uh which was a great tilt and mm-hmm. you know can you imagine those two you know because even i think after the fight frederick was saying like we're going again like you know, i'm gonna you know we're gonna fight again or whatever you know and neither of those guys are gonna back down so imagine having you know with the with the bad blood in such short time these two teams have built up imagine having you know the the Rangers trying so many storylines going into that that game. The Rangers trying to finally get that W in a different setting. Uh, you know the young guys on dis- and that game will get eyes. You know what I mean? Because it'll definitely get more eyes than just the Wednesday night NBC game. Because there'll be like people like I want to see what an out people watch it the outdoor game. Uh, it'll be cool, you know. And then Lafreniere and Kako get to be on the stage and people can finally see them up for with their own eyes and get a look at the Bruins who are poised to want to. Yeah, you know, to to have to lift the cup this year. So I hope it happens. That'll be because, yeah, that would be absolutely amazing, you know? Yeah, no. And you know what the Rangers should do right now? If they get the the league says, listen, as of right now, we need you. So you're going, you know, it'd be great if they somehow were able to get the white Liberty jerseys and, and have it out for, you know, I know they don't have white Liberty jerseys this year, but they can create them. I know they could if they needed to. And if we got white Liberty jerseys playing in Lake Tahoe, because I believe the Boston Bruins reverse retro jersey is black, right? Or is it yellow? Um, 
It might be yellow, which puts uh, my, foils my plan. It, no, uh, the, the reverse retro, isn't it white? Wait, no, hold on. Bruins reverse retro, sorry. In my head, uh, I was picturing it being black, which I'm I like, thought it was. It's yellow. It's yellow it's with yellow. black stripes. All right, so yeah. they wouldn't do the white Liberty. Well, they can still do the blue Liberty, which is fine. But it would have been nice to bring out the old white Liberty jersey. Well, who was the in the who was the home team for the uh, for the outdoor game? Does it say if I go to well, if I go to here, if I go to Boston Bruins and look at their schedule, like a smart person, it should tell me. So here we go, Boston Bruins. Uh, schedule here because they were and this is uh, next Saturday, right? Yes, February twenty third. Yes. Uh, it's hmm, not listed on. Not it's not Sunday the twenty first at three p.m. Is that it? Was that supposed to be it? No, it's supposed to be the twenty third. Does it not have a game there? Maybe, maybe because of the Flyers situation. Yeah, or I don't know, just for whatever reason that that is not on the 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 calendar I'm looking right now. I don't know if it was because it was like an announcement change or something. Um yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, whatever. Uh it like you said it doesn't really matter cuz teams can just willy-nilly just wear what jerseys they want to wear. I didn't even know if they were going to have if they were had something worked out uh well, where I'm an idiot because it's the 21st. You are right. I don't know. Okay. Someone wrote the 23rd down and I've been saying okay. the 23rd. So, so the Bruins are the home team for that game anyway. So, uh, they could wear their reverse retros and then the Rangers would wear their, their away whites, you know? Yeah. Um, unless they have a, a special third Jersey kicking around somewhere. We don't know about the Rangers. Uh, but you know, no, I, yeah, I like the Liberty Jersey. I mean, I think they should wear it. No, I like it too. I'm just saying in terms of making it so both teams could wear a special Jersey. Cause yeah. you know, you, you, you're there. The league would never go for two teams wearing solid color jerseys. No, they just no, would no, never no. do it. No. Um, so Which they should obviously, but can you explain the draft situation real quick? Um, for those okay. people that don't know, cause we, I yeah. don't mention it, but I, if you don't know the details of it, you might be a little confused. All right. So in a nutshell with COVID, and the fact that many of the the teams, you know, Canadian junior, major junior teams haven't been able to start their season so far. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about them, this, the CHL in particular, pushing for the draft and the NHL partially, for that matter, the draft to be pushed back uh, to a later date. I didn't see which date specifically they're talking about, but some are even some even talking about postponing it almost like a whole year which is pretty wild to think um but i think in a nutshell basically you have a situation where gms are uncomfortable having to select off of you know this is their year to be bad so they want to optimize the amount of talent they're getting but they don't get to look at all the you know the you know the the most talented kid in the draft might not have played a game yet and that scares them, which is understandable, right? You you don't want to be bad long. You don't want to kick. And that's the other thing. If you're going to push the, the draft back, that's just a long less development time. Longer have a, you're not going to get help from a guy in your system. And yeah, they, it's it, you know you're afraid you're going to lose out on. Time. It could have cost you your job. I think the other thing is that clearly the CHL benefits from having high profile talent. So I think they see an opportunity where they can come back with, you know. Now you have a litany of good talent for two draft classes, and that's good for their product. That's good for getting kickbacks from the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's a reason they might be pushing for it as well. They need to get some re- generate some revenue, and especially if you can stack your draft class a little bit more. I don't know if there because there's a lot of different scenarios going on, like consolidate. You know, either consolidating picks for two drafts or just making raising the age limit or or altering it so like it would be um yeah because i've seen i don't know really know what they're what they're really thinking about specifically because there's just a lot of things being floated right now i mean extra you know i think a lot of also the extra time to mature and develop might be appealing to nhl gms because it's like you look at lock uh hughes lafreniere kako struggling to come in well now it's like if these kids get an extra year maybe they can step in quicker and uh make a more immediate impact but yeah obviously as someone like me who loves the draft every year the fact that it might could get pushed back uh or they could hold like and yeah there was talk of holding two consecutive drafts like uh for you know the uh 
what I forget what the, for the 18 year old birth years and then uh, for, you know, for the 19 year olds, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but there's also now talk that they want to um, lock the if you draft in the top three, you are then locked out of the top three the following year. Um, so you wouldn't be able to draft in the top three two years in a row just to get teams, you know, uh, out of the position of tanking multiple years in a row to try to get that first overall pick because then you'd be locked out the following year. But, you know, people are going nuts because it's like, well, each draft class is not equal. Like you're you're not getting the same player first overall two years in a row. You're getting, you know, a, a mixed bag of, of of players. So, you know, why would a team be punished for being bad one year? And then if they're equally because they didn't get a good, you know, you know, they didn't get a good draft pick or they didn't draft well because the talent pool was was bad. And then now they're locked out of the next year when the talent. Pool yeah, I don't I don't think you're really hurting us. Yeah, I don't think you should lock teams out for that, because honestly, if Edmonton doesn't have doesn't get McDavid or let's say for some reason, uh, uh, what year was the McDavid draft? That uh, was that 20. 20- Oh, 16 draft yeah yeah i think right. so uh no, this is his fifth year no matt matt matthews was 2016 so 2015 the year before he was 2015 six years now this is a six year yeah season. that's the thing him and eichel getting a little bit long in the tooth maybe they do something but like you know dylan strome went third overall so imagine that year, instead of winning the first overall pick, they fell to third. Does that mean they trade Taylor Hall? Because if they if if you replace McDavid, you know, let's and let's argue they still have uh you know, they'll still have Leon Dreisidel, right? Mm-hmm. But if they have Dylan Strom and Taylor Hall and Nuge, but then just the rest of the cast of characters they have right now, like and yes, you could argue there'd be a domino effect because if they were like still shitty, they might eventually get someone. But um, yeah, they're probably nowhere in, near in that position. If they were locked out, you know, then from from selecting, you know, until they got McDavid, they weren't going anywhere. So, right. So it's like, yeah, I don't. And I also also as far as like, because they're. I, I mean, I see what the NHL is trying to do. And yeah. the, the one problem, though, is the more you try to fix the problem. I think you make it worse and it's yeah. you're you're not going to help a team. I mean, if you look at the teams that have drafted at the bottom of the of the uh, of the draft, you know, multiple years in a row, you know, they're not exactly Stanley Cup contenders, you know, right after that. You know, it, it takes time to develop. There's more aspects yeah. to the game. And and, you know, I don't know. I, are Are teams actively tanking? Like, is that like a huge problem in the NHL? It's not like, you know. I, I, I don't know. I just feel like, is it like the Red Wings are that bad? You know what I mean? The Red Wings on paper were the worst team in the NHL. Yeah. Like they weren't actively tanking. They were tanking because they were that bad. <laughs> you know, you know, I don't think it's a problem in the NHL. I really don't. Yeah. You know, I could understand if you're the worst team, maybe if you're the worst team in the NHL, you should, you should be able to fall no farther than uh, three. You should pick in one of those top three slots. Well, you know, I would I don't say know just how get that rid would. of the lotto and just do it. If you're the worst team, you're the worst team. It's like, you know. Yeah, because that's the thing. No one, like, you. yes, you want to be the worst team to rebuild in terms of rebuilding or for the lotto's sake. But, yeah, at the same time, it's like, I think there's this feeling that it's like teams are going to want to tank. And, obviously, it's been shown. I think in the last few years, you've... Re- people have seen the the cautionary tales that was Edmonton until they got McDavid and and the Sabres uh and you know the Coyotes even you know is that these teams that and hell even Ottawa is that these teams that tank it it does way more long long-term harm than them than I'd say a team like the Rangers where yes you could argue that they had the lottery luck but at the same time it's like it's much easier to come out the other side of these things if you're not a team that is literally ripping its limbs off. You know what I mean? To shed, right. to shed weight. Like, so, yeah, I just think it's, it's one of the, I understand why they're doing it because they, no one, they want to, uh, 
because I, I mean, if you think about it, this year, Detroit and Ottawa were two teams that were all right. Now we're not tanking. Now we're trying to insulate the kids, and they're still horrible. You know what yeah. I mean? They're not trying to tank. They weren't trying to be bad. They were trying to be good. <laughs> they were like, all right, we need something here to insulate these teams. And I would argue Detroit has arguably looked a little bit better. But Ottawa is, you know, is a, is a mess. You know what I mean? So it's like, and that was them trying to be competitive and good. And just one of those things that you have to be real careful because, uh, you know, it's such a cliche, but culture is one of the biggest parts of it. You know, how many, you look at so many teams that were either, whether it's St. Louis being last place and just not having the right mindset and then winning the Stanley Cup or, or Pittsburgh looking horrible, firing their coach, replacing him, and then winning the cup that same season. When what was that? A few years ago, that was with the Bilesma, right? But yeah, that's, yeah, that type of stuff happens a lot, and that's the thing is that doesn't like you can have the the pieces, but at the same time, it's like if it's not you're not aiming it in the right direction, then yeah, you're 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 fucked. You're in trouble. So I mean, looking at the standings right now, if you look at the bottom of the standings, Rangers are in twenty seventh. So uh, they are add, adding the Kraken, and I believe the Kraken get an automatic top. They they can't get the top three pick. So, do they pick four overall? I think they pick four. Okay, so right now the Rangers would pick like fifth. But you know you have Ottawa, Detroit, Vancouver, Rangers, L.A. I don't think anyone would really argue if if the season ended today that those teams aren't the five worst teams in the NHL right now. I mean you you could argue the Rangers should have been better, but I mean real where they are is it that big of a shock? Like no. You know, they're, you know, it's not always going to be perfect, you know, on paper where teams fall in the standings. You know, we've seen seen that, you know, plenty of times, you know, and then you got, you know, Nashville, San Jose, Buffalo, Anaheim, Arizona. It's not like the Boston Bruins are, you know, going to steal a, a high pick in this year's draft. It's just not going to happen. All these teams need, you know, they need more. So I wouldn't I wouldn't no. touch anything. I would almost just oh, I- let it let the chips fall how they lie. I think, oh, so, um, excuse me, Seattle actually will be given the third best lottery odds, so they can. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Automatically. So they can obviously fall, but um, at the same time, yeah, it's like, uh, oh, oh, I forgot Arizona forfeited their pick. Oh, man. <laughs> what a mess. Uh, yeah. Well, but- you know what? I mean, I hate to say it, but. They forfeited. They had to because they got forfeit. But at the same time, I wonder if uh, you could get a, you know, maybe a little bit of an overpayment. But you could, if the Rangers were willing to give up their first to Arizona, maybe you could get a a package around. Uh, um, not that he's he's not worth a first. You know, you'd have to get more. I think Arizona might have to offer up a little bit more. But uh, you know, Dvorak has been a guy we've been harping on forever. So maybe you can finally get him. You know. Right, and you know the Rangers. But at the same time, if the Rangers could draft a center like Kent Johnson or Matthew Beniers, I'd be very happy. Yeah, and that's you know a reality too. Right? You know, if the you know things progress, have they been progressing? And we're already pretty much at the quarter way mark, and you know we're trending you know uh, in a straight line here. We're not you know progressing. I don't think so. Um, you know, we might be right there to get. I, I believe it was uh, Berniers is uh, what probably like sixth overall right now projected to go. I mean, he's here's the thing this year. Everything is all over the place. You don't, it's a year where you don't have a, there's not a Lafreniere. There's Mm -hmm. not a a Jack Hughes. There's no one that's been, you know, Owen power came in with the most hype, but you could argue that uh, through he's slipped a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm personally, if I was drafting first overall, Mm -hmm. I still, it's still too early to know who I would take, but, you know, honestly, a power as a guy, I probably wouldn't take. I'd maybe take him at four or five. I mean, I like the obviously the the skill set is tantalizing, but um, and the tools, but I just haven't seen the application of it, especially considering where the Rangers are in terms of defense. I like I like Luke Hughes a lot more as a defender. I just think he's smarter. Uh, he's obviously not as big, but you know, he's bigger than both his brothers. He's six two already. He's one hundred and seventy, you know, almost one hundred and eighty pounds. And he's smart and he skates real well. So if I was going to go with a defenseman, I would. But I mean, you know, between guys like Ek- William Eklund uh, in the Swedish Elite League, Kent Johnson, who plays w- with power um, on that stacked Michigan team, and Beniers, you know, both they're all three of them on the same team. Like, 
I would right now I would take uh, I would probably take uh, I definitely take Veneers before Owen Power and you know and obviously Brant Clark had a lot of uh, you know he was a guy who could potentially go first overall and he's I think he's playing overseas uh, in the was it the 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 Czech League or something until. Uh, he can, you know, the OHL starts back up, which we did hear rumblings. They were going to try to get this, the OHL finally going, but yeah, like I said, it's, it's still so wide open because half these kids haven't played and, you know, especially some of the ones that were penciled in at first, haven't looked all that have, have been up and down. So yeah, I think it's one of those things, hence why there's so much talk to push because it's just, it's kind of going off of, uh, opinions from last year and conjecture and you don't really know how much some of these kids have progressed, you know, and it's, there's teams that don't plan, want to be bad for long and they're hoping to make this one count and especially in a way that could help them. So yeah, as it stands today, I mean, you know, I try to keep a very rough running list of who I would take where just based on certain things right now is that, yeah, I mean, Beneers, it's very, I don't know how other teams feel about Beneers, but he's a guy I would easily have him in the top three at this point in time. Uh, so, but I don't know if other teams feel that way. They might still say, you know what? No power and Clark and, uh, uh, you know, Simon Edvidson, like these are the guys that we, you know, or Eck, William Eklund, even, you know, those are, could be their top three guys. And then Beniers could just be sitting there because they're like, you know what? He's a good two way forward, but he just doesn't have enough overall creativity or offensive upside. He's never going to be a, a superstar. He just tops out as like a very, very good two way second line center which I absolutely want the Rangers to have. I think we lack, you know what I mean? So perfect for us, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I, I pretty much does it for, uh, you know, this podcast, Andy, I know, you know, um, you know, as Ranger fans, we have a lot to talk about, a lot to discuss because our team has a lot of question marks hovering around it. And, you know, uh, and really, honestly, the only way to really answer a lot of these questions that we kind of ask ourselves every week is, is time. Time's the only answer that, you know, is, is, is going to prove to be true. Uh, we can speculate and, and, you know, put our, throw our two cents around, but at the end of the day, you know, I think it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, all the questions that we're asking are going to be answered by time. And, you know, and we didn't even get into the coaching and, and, and stuff like that, but, you know, again it's it's it, this year is going to be a weird year you know whether it's about the draft or whether it's about the new york rangers or or certain specific players um so but you know we're going to be here every twice a week so uh we're going to have our work cut out for us this this uh this year yeah you know like i said i'm hoping the rangers can replace the flyers for that outdoor game because i think Hell, even in a losing effort, those are two real fun games to watch. Uh, and and yeah, I think as much as it hurts in the short term, iron sharpens iron. And if the Rangers need to set a personal standard for themselves, and the more they play good talent, it does. So maybe that's maybe the silver lining of playing in this murderous row that is the Mass Mutual East Division, that every team, no matter what, can can pull out a W on a night. We don't have the benefit of playing the Senators and the Canucks and the Detroit Red Wings of. Uh, of the world, you know, so uh, multiple times. So, yeah, it is what it is. The Rangers might are most likely not going to have the fate, get the fate they deserve this season. But I think they'll be the better for it. It's but at the same time, I'm, you know, I'm starting to get real sick of the uh, like you would put it, you know, the moral victory. You know, I just uh, let's try to get a, a real victory soon, please. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.